0: Guys, down the hill. And that's the only known words that we have public privy knowledge to of the Delphi killer. And this is Jen. And this is Becky. This is too close to home. Welcome. Welcome. So this one is a, I mean, I have to say of all of our cases are tough, but we wanted to also hit some unsolved cases because... Maybe one of us will solve it one of these days. I don't know. But. And we mean us as in listeners. And, yeah. Or me and Jennifer Armchair Detectives. I mean. You've heard some of our banging theories. You know. And
1: How, sometimes you need to bring these back to light. Because relationships change. Within people who may know about the murder. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have a comfort in
0: coming forward now. Whereas yeah. they didn't. I love before. Cold Justice. The TV show. If you've never watched it. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Kelly is a former Houston prosecutor and she goes across the country and she helps do all these unsolved cases, like these cold cases. And she says, you know, things have changed. You know, relationships have changed. Mm -hmm. People have died. People have moved. People have started remembering things because people have pissed them off. (laughs) Mm, Exactly. Like There was one case where it was a really, really cold case. And then they went back to investigate. And like the ex-wife was like, oh, I'll tell you about his ass. She was tight-lipped back in the day, but today is a new day. <laughs> <laughs> so, we uh we're going to start sprinkling in some of these unsolved murders. This one is quite well-known. It it's pretty recent, but it's very unique to me cuz the words of the murderer and that was caught all on Snapchat, which is relatively known new, you know, to I mean new for us, ish. You know what I mean? like Right. To these girls, it's been around forever. But, you know, it's a unique thing. And and we're such a connected world. And it's so baffling how we can be in this connected world with ring cameras and parking lot cameras and all this everywhere and still have a murder go as cold as this one has. And have footage of him
1: that I feel like if you know this man, you know that's him. Mm -hmm. And you owe a justice to those babies because they're babies they are
0: to speak it exactly so uh, i do have some sources my first one was fbi.gov and i was not paranoid at all being on it (laughs) oh every time i get on it i'm paranoid too (laughs) it was like if you have to google fbi fbi's beacons are probably like the fuck what you want to know are you like, on this list? Looking at my camera on my <laughs> laptop, and I'm like, brah, it's just research. Like, I'm trying to help you.
1: I'm trying to help you. Help me help you. Help <laughs> me help you. Yes,
0: yes, yes. 100%. <laughs> um, Indiana.gov, Down the Hill, the Delphi Murders Podcast, which is, I think it's like a CBS or what. It's like one of those news podcasts, and they go through all the places. And they have interviewed a lot of the people that are involved, like the sister of one of the victims, the parents, the grandparents. The neighbors and all that. It's really good. Very heart-wrenching. Wikipedia, of course. WTHR. News story. Podcasters obtained transcript of Indiana State Police interview with Keegan Klein. Which is kind of a little spoiler alert, but we'll come back to that. And WRTV news story. Delphi Daughters. The untold story of Abby and Libby. So... I've seen the picture, and I sent Becky the picture shortly before we started the podcast. And uh, I wanted to draw some more information upon who these girls were. Because we hear the remarkable, you know, inst- like the constitution it took for these girls to be like, register that this was not a safe situation, and at least try to get some evidence, you know. That's a huge focus, but the girls at heart were just girls so let's talk about them real quick abigail abigail j abby williams she went by abby was born june 23rd 2003 Ugh. liberty rose lynn german went by libby she was born december twenty 22- second, 27th 2002 mm. liberty or libby she had regular contact with her biological parents who were young parents but she was being raised by her maternal parents mike and becky patty The girls were close friends, were like real fast friends. They shared a variety of uh, interests. They both loved art, they enjoyed sports, and they both played alto sax in the Delphi Community Middle School Band. Libby was a girl older than her years, an old soul, always looking and getting the most out of life, whether it was having fun or doing her best at school. She had hoped to become a science teacher and attended several classes at nearby Purdue University to try out different areas to see what interested her the most. Libby loved to make people feel good. She used to use sticky notes to leave messages of love and encouragement for others. She was the one who got Abby into softball, and that brought them even closer together. Abby loved art in any medium. She had recently been knitting tiny colorful hats for newborns at the local hospital.
1: Okay, you just have to
0: stop with how fucking precious these kids are. My heart is breaking already. Abby would often take her mother's phone to take beautiful pictures as she would definitely had the photography bug. She loved the outdoors and had an eye for the world around her, finding details most would miss. She was an active girl playing many sports, but with a love for volleyball and a recent, recent passion for softball. So they, at at this point, right before this story happens, these two girls were, this is like a late spring or late winter, early spring day, and that. Winter had been unseasonably warm in Indiana, so they didn't have to use all their snow days. And whenever they bank snow days, and we're from Florida. (laughs) Fucking newsflash for me. Well, let's just, uh, um, I think the concept of hurricane days. Yeah, hurricane days. So, like, if you don't, well, they apparently already banked this time for them to be off and built it in the curriculum where, like, hurricanes are a little bit more, some years you have none, some years you have major ones. We might end up having to make them up at the end of the school year, right? Well, they already had it kind of built in. And if they didn't use them, they got to use them come spring for just extra days off. Nice. And so that Monday that the girls went missing was actually one of those days. They, uh, Abby and Libby had been spending the night at Libby's house with her grandparents and stuff. That morning, that Monday morning, it was February 13th, 2017 the girls had slept over and they woke up at 10 a.m. and Libby's dad who well he didn't really raise her cuz he was a young dad apparently uh was living in the home with her and still participated it was like he was older at the time so they despite being like kind of a fractured family they were still close and so he made the kids you know pancakes and hung out and then Libby's 17-year-old sister, Kelsey, was going out to go to her boyfriend's house. And the girl said, hey, can you take us out to uh, the bridge? And uh, they call it High Bridge. And she was like, I don't know. I really got to get over there. I'm already running behind. And she's like, you know what? If you agree to have dad come pick you up or have Abby's dad come pick you up, I'll drop you off. No problem. And so they call Abby's parents. Abby's mom's like, yeah, sure. Fine. Y'all can go ahead and go. He'll pick you up at like, it was like five o'clock that afternoon. The Monon Bridge, which is where they're at, High Bridge, it straddles Deer Creek, abandoned but accessible by trails. And it's well visited by photographers, including Abby and Libby, who were amateur photographers. It's over 800 feet long and over a century old. Having been abandoned in the 1980s, the railroad ties were in, tw- in really rough shape. Deer Creek was 75 feet below and a risky spot to walk. So Libby sat up front and Abby sat in the back. And Kelsey recalls, because they do a lot of interviews with her sister, uh, when we were about to leave, even though it was an unseasonably warm spring day, she knew that, you know, if it got a little bit later, that the girls would need something to wear. So she at least made them wear sweaters. She talked about them singing songs. And how happy they were. Not knowing what's around the corner. She talks about dropping them off. And this trail is like. It goes like down. And then it comes up I believe. And she says I see her go down the trail. And it hits a fork. And she they take a left and they go off. She says last, last time she saw her. Mm. So the girls are gone. On this day right. Drops him off. Five o'clock rolls around and Derek, which is Libby's dad, calls Becky, which is the grandmother, saying he's there, but the girls have not shown up. So she then calls Tara, which is Derek's sister, to see if either either of them um, would answer if they call from someone else's phone. Like, you know, some kids will be like, I don't want to talk to grandma, but I'm going to talk to uncle, you know, so and so. They drove... Two paths that the girls could have walked home back and forth several times trying to see if like maybe the girls got tired of doing this early and started trying to head home and they couldn't find them anywhere. They called Kelsey and Libby's biological mo- uh, mother who was living in Kentucky to see if they had her from the girls and they had not either. They call Anna, which is Abby's mom, to let her know that the girls were missing and she immediately left her job and went to join the search. She was a young mother. It was the only child. Um, She had become a young mother at 19. So this is a very like rural, teeny tiny, like a John Mellencamp type of town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone searches, like starts gathering immediately. And this is like five to six o'clock in the afternoon. They were yelling their names. They were running up the trails. They called the officers. The officers responded super quickly. And uh, they started dispatching you know, the surrounding cities and counties and everything because it was such a tiny town. They're like, it's crazy the response that they got because there's a lot of times that people go missing and people just, like, don't even look. Right. Like, I get Amber Alerts. I always at least read it before I, like, okay, how close is this to me? I was in the nail salon one day and they went off and everyone was just like, click. Mm. They didn't even fucking look, guys. Didn't even just what do we learned? just take a look just take a look How's how take much take a is, peek. one second drive by <laughs> just glance at your phone and in this case these girls were very lucky and uh had a lot of family and friends that loved them the community was very tight-knit so they immediately everybody was like hey the girls are missed and we need to go down to high bridge and start looking for the girls things are, are starting to be um posted on social media that brings everybody together and Kelsey shows Becky, the grandma, that night Snapchat and pictures um, that the girls had taken while they were out there at Monon Bridge. And there's a couple of them. Like There's one where they're at the end of the trail, one on the trail. A lot of them are from Libby of Abbey because it's all on Libby's phone. Sheriff Toby Lezenby decides to spread the search to the surrounding areas in the town of Delphi because he was worried that if they had gotten abducted, that maybe he had made it made some progress. So he's like, okay, we need to start alerting everybody around because if we can't find them in this park, then they were likely abducted. They end up searching until nearly midnight, and then the county decides we have to stop the search. And it's not because they didn't want to search for the girl, but they literally had no money, no equipment. They did not have the ability to conduct a night search like that should have been. So if something you know, if somebody had walked across, like, a crime scene, they would not have known it. It could have messed everything up. So they were like, let's just, rather save the brother, let's just go ahead and suspend the search. But the rest of the locals were like, bro, we can't leave these little girls. It's getting cold. And all they had was sweaters. So the family just, like, kept thinking, like, they had just sweaters. Just sweaters. Mm-hmm. And these poor babies are out there in the dark at night. They decided to bring dogs in from chicago because chicago is like the closest big city to search for the girls the next morning the concern for the cold was a particular worry because they were wearing only sweaters and it was not likely that they just took off and stayed lost by their own accord at that point the next morning over 300 volunteers arrived to join in the search during the daylight hours
1: wow that's awesome right and I mean, it's a tiny town yeah mm-hmm
0: Everyone was set up at the local fire station where they broke into groups assigned with areas for the park. And they used helicopters and kayaks to reach and search the more impossible areas due to the rough terrain because there was a lot of sheer drop offs and rocks and just something that things you would have to climb over that it would make searching by foot much more difficult to do. So they were pulling out all every stop, all the stops. At the bridge, they find a shoe. And the sister recalls hearing, they found a shoe, they found a shoe, and uh, they start hollering, it's a black Nike. And she's at a distance, and she hears black Nike, and she realizes that's what her sister was wearing when, when she disappeared. Shortly after that, the girls are found. A civilian searcher and his wife saw something across the stream of the the clear little creek, and he used his cell phone camera to kind of like pinch in to see and he saw a tie-dye piece of fabric and they also knew that Libby was wearing tie-dye at the day of her disappearance. Quickly it was determined there was foul play and they quietly withheld that information from everybody until the family was notified. They just started quietly clearing out the area like okay now we have to shift this from a you know missing person's case to a obviously a murder case they announced it um to the rest of the researchers at the firehouse so they could evacuate the area because now it was a crime scene because people have been trampling through that for the last almost 18 hours at that point so you don't know what's crime scene what's not you don't know how far out extends where the girls moved from one point to the other point especially if you knew that there was pictures of them up on the bridge so where did it start where did it end Nobody really knew. Carroll County, knowing they didn't have the expertise or the resources for a case like this, brought in fellow agencies like the state police. Logistically, there wasn't even enough cell towers in the area to handle all the bandwidth of the phones, the radios, scanners, and communica- communication equipment needed just to Shit, handle Shit, so you're this. talking a
1: small, small town.
0: Yeah, very small. So they ended up having to bring in a mobile command center to help be able to have internet and all this to conduct all this stuff. It was extremely rural where they were, and it provided a lot of hurdles with controlling the crime scene and property because not only is it a park, there's a lot of property around it that is private property, and the girls themselves, although they were at the park, they were found on private property. After maybe 100 people went through that area, they had to go back and talk to every single one of those people, get you know, shoe prints, fingerprints, information, you know, where were they during these hours just in case any of that kind of came up in the case, one to eliminate them, you know, if because obviously they might not have been to them and to identify them if they were the killer. Yeah. Cause they've been tromps around. So are these footprints from your search? We need to know they're yours. Were mm-hmm. they here before? And you're just searching to put right. your evidence here. And then like the sheriff made a good point is like, There's no bathrooms out here. So, you know, during the search, people had to pee. Oh, yeah. Spit. Cough. You know. Probably removing bushes and shit around, you know. Like, things that were not disturbed before are definitely disturbed at this point. And it it was, they did this to uh, minimize the impact on the actual size of the crime scene. It began around the bodies, and then they found one of the girls' phones at the bridge, which expanded it out to a quarter-mile radius. Hmm. They had five crime scene technicians come in to handle the scene. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of area. Even yeah. then, that's like, you know, is that even close to being enough <laughs> crime scene technicians? When when does a, a leaf become evidence and when does it not? Mm-hmm. They announced to the press um, via a press conference of the girls, and they kept saying this, So many times, because it's, like, a very rural area, very religious. Instead of saying that the girls had died or that they were murdered, a lot of the people, including the sheriff, would say, the girls were no longer with us. That just makes it more heartbreaking to me. Yeah, because, like, they never had anything like that happen in Delphi. School was actually in session when they announced this, because this was Tuesday now. And they had to dispatch the local church because they just didn't have enough people to be there as support for these children. Because you have these two girls who are very much social bot- butterflies on on teams and stuff. And you're going to have to explain to all these other teens that their classmate has died. And there are situations, I know that probably happens in a teacher's um, career, like a child gets leukemia. But it's not very often that you probably have to come across that situation that these children were murdered. Like there was... Foul play intended. And even one of the students that were friends of uh, Libby and Abby's, she was um, interviewed and said, I had to ask my mom what foul play play meant. She said, well, it meant that somebody intended to hurt them. Mm. And she says, I just never could have even comprehended at 13 years old what person would do that. And if you're in a small town like that,
1: the saying everybody knows everybody is true. You do know everybody. You know, Absolutely. I lived in a fairly small town, and I could tell you just about everybody that I graduated with. I might not have been friends with them, but I knew them or I had a class with them at some point or, right. you know, interacted with them in some way, shape, or form.
0: I mean, when I moved from Florida to Georgia, I went from a big city to a small town, and people started to be like, who you, who you can to? Mm-hmm. You know, like, everybody knows this very Mayberry. The day after the disappearance, Snapchat pictures and video are seen. In one picture, it's Abby walking across the bridge, looking down to watch her step due to its dilapidated state. So, all these railroad ties, you know, had not been used in probably almost 30 years. Closer, probably closer than 40. And, uh... Oh, that just hurt my feelings. Because it was like the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Making it about me. (laughs) Um... But so, like, you know, there was no regular maintenance to be had. I- I'm not about to be Indiana Jones in it. Okay. Uh, me neither.
1: I-, I don't understand how people. I would be the one taking the video of somebody else walking across it, except, like, nah, I promise they'll be here on the- <laughs>
0: solid ground. On <laughs> solid ground. People said, like, grown ass men would go on all fours and crawl across it. And, like, Libby would just go, toot, 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 toot. I'm like, oh, there ain't no handrails. I'm not about that life. A strong gust could come and whip me away because you know how frail I am. <laughs> Light as a feather. Light. <laughs> the second is a black and white picture of the track going into woods. And I had a hard time understanding, you know, where and what and how until like I read more into the case. So High Bridge Park is a whole bunch of trails and it comes up to High Bridge. And then you go all the way across to the other end and it stops there. You can't go any further. There's no more train tracks and it's all private property. So people will cross and then they come back. So I did not realize, you know, the geography of it. I thought it was like a park where you go across and you could loop around. No, it's just that's the edge of the park going out to those trestles and back. So all this is like at the beginning of the trestles before going to the other side. It was determined that these were taken shortly after 2 p.m. And these photos helped to set the timeline for the FBI who was assisting in the case. So these were around 2 p.m. Remember, the girls were supposed to show up at 5. That's what I was literally just about to say to you. So you mean to tell me these pictures happened
1: after 2 and family was there at 5? Mm-hmm.
0: Sergeant Kim Riley of State Police made the announcement that it was for sure Abby and Libby They announced that it's a homicide investigation and they're asking for tips from folks who may have been seen in that area on that Monday. And several people were interviewed. This was a gorgeous day in Indiana and it's been a long winter. So people are out and about all through this park. They seen the girls in the park. So like the person who did this. Brazen as fuck
1: and was also had to have been seen by these people.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Despite the lack of a suspect, the sheriff announces there's no concern for the community. The fuck there isn't? Yeah. There's even like the press conference where he goes, um, uh, you can hear a guy goes like, being as this were two local girls and, you know, this, we know that they were murdered, blah, blah, blah. Like, should we be concerned since there's no suspects? And they're like, no, you're good.
1: Are you trying to keep panic at a minimum? Yes. (laughs) I mean, and I get it. You don't want to be like, y'all lock your motherfucking doors, put your kids in and don't come the fuck out till we figure out who this watch is. Lock your
0: kids, watch your wife, I mean, Hide everybody kid, out here.
1: Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> and I mean, I get it. You do have to keep people chill. But at right. the same time, you also need to give them a fair understanding because there are some simpletons that will just take what you say at face value. Like, it's, it's cool the sheriff said so we're fine. Me, yeah. I'd be like, don't listen to the sheriff.
0: It makes me think of the beginning of the pandemic where they were like, y'all should wear a mask. Wait, stop. You're using all the masks. No, don't worry about it. You don't need to wear them. You mm-hmm. don't need to wear them. Just wash them. You don't even got to wash them. Wear, them. wear them the whole time. You never have to get a new one. You know what? Cheap bubble gum and then just slap it on your face. You're good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I'm There's... a doctor. Why would I lie?
1: <laughs> There's still people that believe them. There's <laughs> still so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> They actually have held a lot of the information from this case from the public and they have never like they are the little bits that they have released are tiny impactful but very tiny so they have not announced you know the manner of the death what the girls look like oh. where exactly so you still don't know that information we do not know that information
1: i would hope the family at least knows that information
0: no Everybody is a suspect. Did did the families get to have funerals for little girls? As far as I know, they did, but everything else has been sealed. Apparently, the fuck. Yeah,
1: not me. Not me as a mom. No, I'd be <laughs> like, I'm going to know how my child died. Yeah, and I'm going to know everything if I have to break into your fucking station and get the information myself.
0: Okay, these people are like substantially more calm than I would be. Yeah, same.
1: I would be tempted to. Drive to every person in the town's house and knock on their door and look at motherfuckers answering the door.
0: Exactly. Till I see the person that looks the closest to that video. So at this point, they announced that the FBI is now involved. They have the ERT, which is the evidence response team, show up to help process the scene and look for things that maybe the locals would not necessarily know to look for because obviously it's not every day that things like this happen in their, you know, their area, I would look at the Jean Bonnet case where she was killed. Those cops fucked everything up in that case, but they're also absolutely untrained for some situation like that because at and that time there wasn't really things like that happening. So they were like trampling through shit. Let me play with the dead body, flick it all around. Let me just leave some DNA here and DNA there. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They started this case out. Right. And I'm going to tell you the investigators, the crime scene techs, everybody who's worked on this case that I know of, like, there's been nothing but the best. And I'm like, I really appreciate the fact that this local place was like, we're not going to be too proud here. We really obviously don't know what we're going to need to do in this situation. So let's call the big dogs in. Let's get these girls the justice they deserve. Good for them. Yeah. That's when they show a photo. I'm going to send it to her now. They show a photo of a white man wearing blue jeans, a blue coat or jacket, and a hoodie. It was blurry, and he was walking with his hands in his pockets down the train tracks. The photo, which is actually a still from the video, but nobody knows it at this moment, came from Libby's phone, and this sparks the public to look for a bridge guy everywhere. Now you would think, okay, how can they not enhance this photo? Well, to help clear that up a little bit, This is like she was trying to do it in a way where it was very subtle. So he's in the very corner of the video. And, of course, you know, the quality of cell phone video and everything. So there's no nothing they could just about do to make that any clearer at that point in time.
1: Which is sad because I wonder if the girls would have been more obvious that they were recording him because they had concerns about him if he would have just left because he was afraid that they had the video. Yeah. I mean, Pierce, it doesn't matter. I feel like.
0: Somebody has to know who he is, but we'll get to that in the end. Oh, yeah. The media swarms Delphi and the tips start to flood in. One brings them to a home in Delphi, which they serve a probable cause warrant. Media shows that they do take a few boxes, but no arrests are made. They also note they search a nearby field with no evidence being found. The police finally divulge that the picture was a still from a video. The police had known since 24 hours in, and two weeks later, it's released. Most of the video has been withheld due to it being an active investigation. Libby took this video, which showcases how extremely smart she was, as this could only be a piece that finds her murderer. And then a clip of the audio is released. And they do this, like, at this press conference. And uh, they loop it because it's a very short sentence. Because... You know, one of the um, news guys said, you know, if you loop it, it's almost like you're getting a whole sentence. So maybe you'll pick up something. What's he saying? He's saying down the hill. Down the hill. And it just loops it over and over again. And it's very calm down the hill, down the hill down the hill so they released that and that that it's a video they say they're looking at all possibilities did they know the girls was it a stranger did they plan it was it a coincidence was more than one person involved five months after the death they give a composite sketch to aid in the search it's a man with a hat shaggy appearance somewhat overweight and it was created by people who had been in the area and given tips So look back at that picture, and you look at him, and you're like, okay, I see a little bit clearer what this possibly could be. A lot of people start speculating on who the killer is based on the sketch, and a lot of it is social media. Wild theories abound, and many are crazy conspiracy theories. People ask, the police ask people not to do side-by-sides, where they take that um, sketch, and they say, Doesn't this look like John down the street? (laughs) That motherfucker's been strange all his life. They just say, report their tips, let them follow through, let them do the vetting, and uh, not, that way people aren't being wrongly accused, and there have been people uh, that have been accused in this case that, you know, ruin their lives when they, I mean, I'm talking about people from all over the country. Oh, I'm sure. It would be like things like tips on exes, angry employees, other trifling things. 50,000 tips had come into the case at that point. Wow. And they were investigating every single tip. Good for them. Then two years goes by. Jeez. A press conference is called to release new information. They ask for information on the driver of a vehicle parked at old CPS DPS welfare building in the city of Delphi that was abandoned on the east side of County Road 300 north next to the Ho- Hoosier Heartland Highway between the hours of 5 p.m., On February 14th, 2017. The day after. The day after. They believe this person. Who committed this crime. Was from Delphi. They either live there. From there. Travel to Delphi often. Or possibly work there. Because High Bridge is a very select unknown. It's not like a publicized. That you'd have to be local to know it's there. They also believe the age range. As being. 18 to 40, but may appear younger than his true age. Especially, like, if you're heavier set, people do tend to think you're younger. It, it gives you more of that chair base. So then I took this long quote, and uh, it's from Doug Carter. And he's uh, one of the guys investigating the case. And I just felt it was, like, super profound, because you can hear how emphatic they are on this case. And it's to the killer it starts out. We believe you're hiding in plain sight. For more than two years, you never thought we would shift gears to a different investigative strategy. But we have. We likely have interviewed you or someone close to you. We know this is about power to you. And you want to know what we know. And one day, you will. The question to you, what will those closest to you think if they find out you brutally murdered two little girls, two children, Only a coward would do such a thing. We are confident that you have told someone what you have done or at the very least they know because you have shown how different you are since the murders. We tried so hard to understand how someone could do something like this to two children. And I recently watched a movie called The Shack. And there's also a book that talks so well about evil, about death, and about eternity. To the murderer, I believe, you have just a little bit of conscience left. And I can assure you, That how you left them in those woods is not what they are experiencing today. To the family, I hope you all will give them some time. At this point, he's talking about the investigators. Because we're going to be asking that there is no immediate media inquiry or response for the least next two weeks. And I hope you understand why. The family found out about this information early this morning. I just want the family to know, when I take my last breath on earth, I will be thinking of them. Mm. Dear God, that's heartbreaking, Jennifer. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the anger in his voice. We believe we know who you, you know, you're somebody close. We probably have interviewed you before. He walks off without answering any questions after the statement. We will not stop. At that point, they unveil a new picture. It's a a sketch of a young white male with short, bushy hair, a large forehead, a prominent chin and a lantern jaw and a lantern jaw is like how jay leno's jaw is it's a very Mm. big wide versus like his face comes down like he's got a triangular face which is like a very unique facial structure you just don't see jaws like that very often and if you look at the original sketch versus this sketch it's wildly different oh it is so you went from having a guy wearing a hat to them going, wait, that's not a hat in that photo. That's his hair.
1: Well, I kept looking back and forth at it with the hat and I was like, that's a hat? Because I swear it's his his hair.
0: Right. That's what I thought too. It looks like his hair to me like this, like mm-hmm. going down towards for his forehead and everything. I feel like the hair that they have poking out
1: from under the hat in the first is a more accurate representation than the second one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the second one, the guy's face is too skinny.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's a he'd have to be a little bit more heavy set, like especially up here mm-hmm. in the eyes. But- and the second sketch looks too young to me. Mm-hmm. The guy looks to me like
1: he's late 30s, early 40s. That's just my opinion. Oh, yeah, looking at this, the steel of the um video, he doesn't look like he's a 19 uh, teens or 20 year old to me. That's just my opinion, right. Especially the way he's dressed for 2017.
0: Mm -hmm. That's more of
1: a dad
0: outfit. It is. Than a kid. Exactly. Like, you'd be expecting him to wear some um, new balances. Like, it's that kind of outfit. Like, the white jeans that are tapered down. You know, like, just not. Yeah. Not somebody younger. That's for sure. Um, They also released a new part of the recording. I'm going to play that.
1: Guys, get down the hill. Guys, down the hill. That's definitely an older man's voice, too, in my opinion. And that second sketch just looks too young.
0: Especially the way he calls to them. Guys, down the hill.
1: Yeah. That's the way a dad would... That's the way one of our husbands would tell the kids. uh, Girls, get down over there.
0: Yeah. So, And it also shows a little clip of the video where he's walking. And you can't really get a good sense of gait because... As we said before, they're railroad ties. So you're doing that weird hopping thing like you would like you're hopping rocks or something. You're not going to have a regular walk. So it's hard to even tell that. But adding that guys down the hill, I feel like that has to ring for somebody. But it was a drastically different set, as we discussed. And they had been looking closely for a man who matched the first description. So like everybody is like, including the family, was really pissed off at first. The fuck, we've been looking for this this guy, this particular type of person this whole time. And now you coming out with this. And then the family now understand. They're like, you know, I'm glad that they are still working at it. They're still mm-hmm. trying to develop it. They're still trying to find more information. So and they they have not stopped. Apparently they are still to this day actively it's to them, it's not cold. They have not even allowed it to become cold. The three years later, the people who did the interview for that podcast that I listened to for this. They did an interview with the prosecutor of Carroll County, Robert Ives. And he starts diverging, divulging a little bit more about the case. He describes that there was a signature and a signature is like an MO. So like in Randy Kraft's case, he would, you know, uh, torture them, you know, mutilate them, cut their genitals off, stick things up their anus. Uh, there are some signatures in this case, two or three that were indicative that this was more ritualistic and more planned. Well, he actually believes that it was local due to its rural and unknown location. Oh, and hundred percent had to yeah. be local. Cause that's
1: yeah. one of those areas where if you grew up in a small town, you know, there's like different places that kids go to like mm-hmm. hang out. And the only people that know that are people that live there. And that's either because they were as a child and they're an adult now, or because you are a child. And when I say t- child, I mean, teenager or whatnot. Yeah. And so, you know, those areas, but, if your family came into town and you they said, would never we're going even to High Bridge, there. they'd be like, what the hell is High Bridge? And they wouldn't have a clue. Oh, man. You know
0: what creeps me out is when I lived in Augusta, there was a trail that went to a part of Augusta that I had never even seen. It was very close to downtown and it was near this huge lake. But you would walk down, you'd go over these trail train tracks and you keep going down further. And it was an old quarry and people would go swimming and locals, you know, it had a beautiful waterfall. Never knew. For the majority of the time I was there until the, almost by by end. And I'm like, now thinking about it, I'm like, what if someone had killed me? Mm-hmm. Because while it was active at a lot of times, there's a lot of times that I went when it was the winter months where people were not swimming. Mm-hmm. And I was by myself. Yeah.
1: We used to have clay pits that we went down to, uh, the steel bridge, all kinds of
0: areas that you look back and you're like, mm, I was pretty stupid. And that was two seconds from a horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, he said that it was odd and it had a lot of physical evidence, not speaking to what evidence he thinks that it was not exactly planned for the girls, but maybe he had planned some of this, uh, the cell phone location data requests for law enforcement's purposes at this time were just developing and it was absolutely difficult to get a search warrant for phone records, which meant pinging towers as to do to no probable cause. Because they could have just been in the area making a phone call. doesn't mean they murdered somebody. So they'd have to have much more substantial evidence to it, to even get a warrant on that person's records. You can't just see who everyone is an invasion of privacy. Is it, though?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people that think that should just be able to be accessed by the police when there's, like, in a murder investigation. Not just because they want to know where you were. Because... I have the old theory of if you ain't doing nothing wrong, why the fuck do you care? Yeah. If Bob was stopped on the side, googling something and called his wife saying, which road am I supposed to go down to find Sally's house? Why the fuck does Bob care if you know he was there or not? Exactly. It's just people feeling so entitled to have so many rights, which I think we should. But at the same time, we're talking about the death of two little girls, Mm -hmm. two little girls. If that was your child, I bet you'd fucking feel different.
0: And, you know, even if they have it, and I can speak to this as of, like, 10 years ago, so I don't know what it's like nowadays. 10 years ago, when I was working at the sheriff's office, they needed somebody who looked like a young girl for a sting operation for a pedophile. This guy had been texting a girl locally. Her parents found out. Obviously, you scared shitless, came to us, and we're like, okay, we're going to try to get this guy to come to this park. And they had this guy's information, knew that it was possibly... dangerous situation so they were just able to convince verizon to let them have the information of like a huge like we're talking about county-wide area of where he might be and it took forever for them Mm -hmm. to do that they were like "Mm, i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and that's invest that's a suspect they knew for Mm -hmm. sure was probably going to do this um, spoiler alert he never showed up but <laughs> I did get ate the fuck up by mosquitoes that night <laughs> it was back when I could pass for like I was 18 okay not anymore <laughs> the world's been hard on me I <laughs> you could pass for
1: 19, 20
0: <laughs> you could though it's fucked up
1: not me I was you about could? you you're much more porcelain skinned <laughs>
0: Until they get close and they start seeing, like, all these little little wrinkles and stuff. I could only be
1: passed for a child when you look at me from behind because I'm so short. And then I turn around and say, oh, no, that bitch is not 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <That was good.
0: laughs> he ends up talking about Ron Logan, which was the owner of the property that the girls were found on. And some people had suspected him, like you have to know about this area. You have to know that this goes down this way and blah, 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 and like...
1: So does everybody else that's went down that trail a hundred times.
0: Exactly, but he indul- obviously de- denies any involvement with the girls' murder. Um, the first anniversary of their deaths, they this was the first anniversary of the deaths at three years that they had not had a press conference. So they did it on the first anniversary, the second anniversary, the third they did not. And they were asked, like, well, has it gone cold? Is this why you're not? They're like, no, it's not cold. They're just not ready to release any more information. Four years later, still open and active, no dead moments in the investigation is what they say, and they continue to search and file warrants. They won't release any info on the death still and, um, or the murder details to ensure a strong prosecution on the case, but the hotline was still open and still getting tips. Five years later, so we're up to twenty twenty two now. Yeah, <laughs> the Murder Sheet podcast was able to get a copy of a transcript of an interview of a man who was suspected of murdering the girls via open records. The record has since been sealed. Uh, Kevin Klein was facing thirty charges of involving child pornography and exploitation. In court records, Klein admitted to creating the social media profile Anthony underscore shots to meet underage girls and receive sexually explicit photos. They talk about some of these photos in too much detail. Mm. Like, I can't. When you have a kid that you know it's not going to be too far along before they have puberty, just the fucking thought makes me sick. Mm. You know, knowing that that could happen. 11 days after the bodies of the girls were found, police served an active search warrant on the, his house in Peru where Klein, Peru, is a part of Indiana. It, I was like, they went all the way to Peru? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a part of Indiana. It's like, you know, like Paris, Texas. You know? <laughs> they served the search warrant on his house in Peru where he lived with his father. And they seized phones and other electronic devices. But he was not arrested until more than three years later on something completely different still don't have proof that he had anything to do with it at this point. But he was the one that they had videoed earlier. Remember I said that they, oh, they served as warrant, but then nobody knew exactly what happened because they kept it so close to the chest. In that 2020 interview, uh, this was when he was arrested. In a 2020 interview, uh, investigators told Klein that the Anthony Schatz profile is one of the last contacts with Libby German before her death. Oh, and he goes, I literally have no clue how that girl died. I don't know anything, anything to do with it. Yeah, this is a weird ass coincidence. I happened to talk to her. Like, I get that. That is an actual quote. After her death, Anthony Shost communicated online with two others that he was supposed to meet Libby, but she never showed up.
1: Oh. So did they ever release what Libby and his conversation was? I'm assuming not.
0: Mm-mm. Klein told investigators that he believed that he was being interrogated again as a murder suspect. Killing two girls. That's what they said to me. They tried to say that I failed a polygraph and that I did it, me or my dad. And apparently his dad is a fucking shit person too. Uh, Tony Klein, which is his father, pleaded guilty to harassment in a 2009 Howard County case where he admitted to making repeated sexually explicit phone calls to a woman. And Tony also had previous convictions for battery and theft. So he's a stand-up guy, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Attorney Kevin Greenlee and journalist Ayn Kane, founders of the Murder Sheet podcast, told 13 News Thursday that the transcript also revealed how Keegan Klein communicated with other young girls. And this is a quote from one of those people in the the podcast, Greenlee. Some other girl gave Anthony Schatz her address, and shortly thereafter, this girl is coming home on a school bus when she sees someone in a ski mask looking through her bedroom window, oh, that's like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. Greenlee and Kane say that the transcripts, transcript gives insight into where the investigation stands. They reached out to investigators, however, and prosecutors before they went public with it, which, mad respect. It was probably something that they wanted but couldn't, weren't ready to like divulge, but they were like, you know, might as well control this. You can share this, this, and this, you know, because I did redact a lot of it, Uh, even like.
1: Oh, so the podcast went to them first and was like, hey, do you know that
0: we're about to release all this shit? And they were like, okay, you know, so here are some theories. And I like to explain, like, now that we know that the park is on one side of this trestle and the other side is a dead end. So to me and what I've surmised is that the girls were walking to the dead end of the trestle. And as they were walking to the dead end of the trestle, they pass this man, right? Now, as they get down to the end of the trestle, the man turns around and starts walking back. You are at the dead end, and this man is walking back and then turns around. You automatically know that something's not right, or these girls felt that way. And that's when the recording starts. This man's coming up to him, and then he says, guys, down the hill, He takes them down the hill. They're not sure if they murder the girls there or not. But, like, murder them and then move the bodies, what have you, because we don't know any of that information. But that's what I believe goes down. And he probably thought this through, did not obviously plan maybe these specific girls. Like, if it was the other guy who had the Anthony Schatz profile, maybe he did. Uh... But if it was not, and it was somebody else, maybe he already had this plan. He was just waiting on the right victims. And uh, he had to have already like picked out the area, scouted it, know that nobody would go through this particular spot. It's off the trail. It's on private property. And know that he's got to get out of there and escape before these girls get reported missing in that short, short frame of time.
1: He had to 100% have it planned because, like you said, I agree that he kind of caught them at the dead end because that would make more sense, too, because, like you said about the track, it sounds like some I wouldn't go across, so a lot of people aren't going to go across it. Right. So if you can catch them down at the end, they've went across and then force them down the hill there. A lot of people aren't even going to come over there. They're yeah. just going to come to the trestle and look, but not actually cross over it.
0: And he had to also know that he had them very cornered because they couldn't because of how far along the ties were and dilapidated, you couldn't run. You'd have to walk fastly, but you could still, if you fell off that thing, there was nothing holding you from a pretty fucking terrible fall. And how far was the fall? Like 75 feet.
1: Oh. You, yeah, you couldn't run because if even if he did catch you, he'd just push you off.
0: You're gonna die either way. So you're like, okay, let me see if I could just like... Talk him out of like, yeah. maybe he's just gonna rape us or something. There's also a theory that not just, but you know what I mean. She might have stuck the phone in her pocket and kept it recording, and that maybe they have the sounds of the murder happening, but they don't know, you know, like they're holding it back on that respect. Did which they is great.
1: get both of the girls' phones? Were they able to recover both of them, or just one? I believe or- they got both,
0: but I think everything really took place on Libby's phone and on her Snapchat. She was doing most of the photography that day. Nobody saw where he came from where he went they believed that it was mo- most likely a local that had access to logan's property because if he did that in that short amount of time he it would be hard to leave out that way without having a bunch of people be like well this guy left right what maybe possibly He was somebody who hunted and fished in the area and knew it very well, and they believe a hunter and fisher just because of maybe how he was dressed and everything and his adeptness in that area, that he exited and entered through Logan's property, not that he went in and out the, the, the park.
1: He would at least have to be dirty, to say the least, because you went down there and even if all you did was strangle them, again, I don't just mean all you did. You're going to have dirt on your body at some point, and we don't know how they were killed, if he killed them in any way.
0: If they struggled and scratched him or any of that. You well, don't if have... he
1: used a knife, he'd have blood on him, so mm-hmm. he would have to exit through that private property versus through the park because exactly. somebody would see you and see the stuff on you. And
0: I think that's also why they ask about that vehicle being abandoned on the side of the road, be like, you know, maybe there's something about that vehicle that kind of rings in that. They didn't know thing.
1: whose vehicle it was or they did, never said.
0: They never said. Uh, they look that maybe it might be a work jacket or he was using it to hide his kill kit because think about it. It was an unseasonably worn day to the girl. To the point the girls almost didn't wear sweaters. So you're definitely not going to be wearing a heavy ass jacket unless you are hiding things in it that you're going to use to kill somebody. First of all, don't come at me like that because I would be. Okay, I'm wearing
1: a blanket right now during this podcast in your home. I always am. So don't attack me. Yes, I would be wearing a jacket without a kill in it.
0: (laughs) Uh, That he possibly planned this for years, making a fantasy a reality. And with the strange and unique signatures, it was probably practiced before setting the trap.
1: Somebody knows who this motherfucker is. Because I agree. He had to be in the town. He's either done this before or he's done it since or something Creepy along those lines, whether it's be mess, molest people or whatnot, mm-hmm. but there's no way that, especially since they said there was a signature, he did a whole something special to them.
0: He had to have, you know. And they, yeah, you know, uh, we hope it wasn't a sexual motivation. We hope it was more just a control because the no, thought of the, like doing you know anything was. to those girls while they're alive, it just fucking tears me up, you know. Uh, and I want to end this on how to submit a tip for the Delphi case. Um, Those with information about the case can email abbyandlibbytip at cacoshrf.com with as much information as as possible, including a suspect's name, a date of birth or approximate age, physical description, including height, weight, hair color, eye color, address or location, including city, vehicle information, including year, make, model, and color, Specific reason for the tip. Why would they be a suspect? Motivation for the crime. Connection to Delphi, Indiana. Police say individuals don't need to have all those pieces to send a tip, but do ask to include as many details as possible.
1: I was just about to say, I can't do your job for you boys.
0: <laughs> I can only give you what I got. Because at first I thought you said
1: they wanted you to tell them all of that. And I was like, what are we doing here? Just pulling every armchair detective we got out. What was their MO? Why did they do it? Okay. What are they doing? No, i just know creepy bob down the street seems like something i do let's go check him out.
0: <laughs> i mean they were just like they were talking about all the different like circumstances that this man could have come across these girls and could have been the anthony shots profile could have been a different one if she was talking to an anthony shots who else could she have been talking to that did yeah. say you know like what prompted these girls to go out there that day and young and well They really may have just
1: been going out there to take pictures and had talked about the night before. And she's talking to this, what she thinks is a boy. And she's like, oh, me and my sister are going to go take pictures at that park tomorrow, da-da-da. And doesn't realize that she is telling her killer where she's going to be. And now he's ready to, and he knows what time you're going to be there and everything.
0: Yeah. He's just been waiting for the right fly to fall in the trap. And so I believe that, you know, she definitely probably had that phone in her pocket. And maybe one day we'll find out. You know, and they said that when they do come up with a suspect and they do arrest them, they're going to release all these pro- pu- these details. But honestly, I hope they never do I, not not catch them. I want them to catch them, but I hope they never release the details because that would just be. Like it, we already have a lot, you know, and, and as people who like to listen to true crime, some of these cases are like sometimes it's too much and I know I will never be able to unhear it. I will yeah. never not be able to look at those photos and not think about their bodies this way, that way, however. And it, it as a mother of a daughter, like, there's plenty of times during this that I was like, I'm going to need to take
1: five. <laughs> I do think, though, they need to release a little more because I know of crimes I've heard about in the past on, like, IDTV and stuff when, like, random people will be, like, at a bar and they're sitting with some drunk and someone will be like, oh, I just can't get over those girls I stabbed. And the guy, the people will be like, what? And he's like, oh, I'm just like, you know, joking. You know, it comes up, happenstance, they've done a lot of drugs or they say something random like that. And then the people later reach out and they're like, look, he was really high and he said he stabbed two girls. Well, if I knew there's two girls that been stabbed that was unsolved, i call the police and let them know. If I know there's two girls but I know nothing about them, I'm not going to call and tell you about this random conversation because mm-hmm. I don't feel there's a reason to. He's probably just drunk. I don't know this guy, whatever. But if you... This guy says what I already know happened. I'm going to call and let you know. You get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like more information is needed for more people to come forward.
0: Oh, yeah. And when they were talking during the uh, press conferences, they were so emphatic. If somebody missed work that day and couldn't explain why, if somebody did something out of their normal route of behavior, if their behavior has changed drastically since then, these are all indicators and you don't have to be the one to confront them we will vet it out anything could turn the tide on this case send us anything and the amount of tips like and they follow up on every damn one including the ones that are that might be bullshit
1: yeah well i hope that they get justice and Someone out there knows who this guy is in this picture. Somebody does. There's no way that nobody knows who he is. Let the police know. Give these families some justice. There's no closure. There is okay. no closure. And it's very but well that he justice. could have
0: moved from Indiana. You know, the heat could have been too much for him. So just listen out. It, like uh, one of my other favorite podcasts is Someplace Underneath. And those ladies are fabulous. And they always say, like, it's free. It's free just to listen. Just uh, keep this in the back of your mind. Think about it. You know, you might be the one. Possibly not. Probably not. But it never you never know. So mm-hmm. just bank it. Guys, down the hill. Until then. Stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel.
1: And do not bring it too close to home. Bye, guys. Bye.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at tooclosetohome at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.